Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finkson. Well, good morning. This is the close of the Kingdom Culture series that we've been talking about. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Hold your finger there or put one of those dilly-dallies in your Bible. You know the dilly-dallies? Those little markers that you can do. And then turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for the second, all right? Just two passages this morning. Um, we've been talking about kingdom culture with the tagline, Cultivating a Kingdom Lifestyle. And uh, when a person comes to Christ, there's a divine exchange. There's a, there's a change of not just your heart, but there's a change of your place the Bible says that, that God transfers you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His Son, Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. You become citizens of an eternal kingdom with supernatural resources. Now, that's not just words. It's not just doctrine. It's not just a teaching. It's truth. It literally happens. It's a reality. But to be honest, most of us have a hard time not only believing it, but trusting it. And therefore living it. Yet we are called by God to be a part of this glorious, powerful, everlasting kingdom of God. And to be real honest, I don't have a problem with the kingdom of God. My problem's with me. You didn't have to amen that. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just be honest with you. Most of my life as a Christian, I've felt completely inadequate. I've been doing this for 45 years now, and I still feel insecure. Uh, it may look like I know what I'm doing, but I'll be honest with you. There's many, many times when I feel like a scared little boy hoping to make it through another week. Just hoping. And I feel that way a lot of the time. I feel that way because I really don't see myself as knowing enough about this. When I listen to other preachers and teachers teach, they seem to have such a handle on the Word of God and as well as what's going on in people's lives. You know, preachers often get those questions like, like, preacher, what do you believe about Zebulun in Numbers? And I usually make up something. Because in my mind, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what's a Zebulun? And when it comes to those kind of things, especially the Old Testament, there's, there's times when I just feel like I don't know enough to really walk in this way. Then that makes me feel like I'm not good enough. Others live the Christian life so much better than me. They don't struggle the way that I seem to struggle because that leads to the next one. I've made so many mistakes. I've said wrong things. I've done wrong things. I've promised to be better but blew it. I've failed God. I've failed family and friends. And so many times I've failed you. I've tried to act brave, but I've been afraid and too embarrassed sometimes to admit it. Just basically, I'm a mess. How are you feeling? Some people say, well, after hearing you, I feel pretty good. 
Yeah, I feel a lot better since I found out about you. I want to close this out this morning with this kingdom culture with just with two points. And they're both in this one statement. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26, we're going to begin reading. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. When the Apostle Paul uses the term calling, he's referring to the saving call of God, that effective call of God that, re- that results in redemption and literally transformation. God calls, and it's an effective call. He calls, literally the person is, is called, and, and faith is a gift from God. It's an opportunity for that person to respond to the reality of God's person and his price that he paid for us and his call to us. But I want you to notice something here. Paul never uses the word call for any other reason. It's always this effective call to redemption. But then he says, God, you see your calling that not many wise and mighty. No, not many. He didn't say not any, but he did say not many. And there'll be a reason for that in just a moment we'll get into. But not many are called who are wise. The word wise here means the skilled, the experts. Those who are skilled in the letters, cultivated, the learned. Not many mighty, those with ability, the powerful, the mighty, the influential, the strong. That could be in wealth as well as influence. And not many noble, the well-born of a noble family or bloodline. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen. That word chosen in the Greek here means to pick out, to choose out for oneself, to choose one out of the many. And here's the thing. It's not choosing so that he chooses one, but he doesn't choose everybody else. In other words, but he's to choose out one among the many To be in relationship with Him. He chooses you. He chooses you to be picked out for a purpose. In relationship with one peculiarly His own. And to be attended to continually by His oversight. Chosen. But but I want you to notice who He chooses. He chooses the foolish. The Greek word here is moros. We get our word moron from. Anybody qualify? He chooses the foolish, the person who is dull, sluggish. His elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. His knife, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. In fact, he doesn't know the drawer. The weak. He chooses the weak, the feeble, the strengthless. Literally, it means strengthless, without strength. Physically as well as morally. God chooses 90-pound weaklings. 
spiritually as well as physically. Then he says he chooses the base. That means without pedigree, born on the wrong side of the tracks. You not only do not have a college degree, you don't even have a pedigree. Those without kin, that is the unknown descent, base models of the human family. You're not a Cadillac, you're a Chevrolet. Base model. The despised. I could have said Ford. The despised, rejects, the no account, the scorned. I can't think of this. Every time I see this word despised, I think of Gideon. We think of Gideon as the one who defeated the enemy and who responded to God and who had a whole bunch and he narrowed it down to, to just 300 and, and, and yet they... They literally defeated the enemy, but you don't realize how he started out. You see, when the angel came to Gideon, he was hiding out in the cave. And to Gideon, he says, you know, of all the tribes of Israel, Manasseh is the weakest. This is Judges 6, 12 through 15. Of all the, uh, uh, of all the families in Manasseh, mine's the poorest, and of all the kids in my family, I'm the runt. And God says, just who I'm looking for. You've got to understand, we read the Bible and see heroes. God saw and chose zeros. You've got to understand that that's his whole purpose. The things that you think disqualify you with the world qualifies you with God. God doesn't call the qualified. Then he says, those who are not, these are the completely overlooked. They don't even get despised or rejected. They're not listed on the who's who. They're not even listed on the who's not. They're never mentioned. Now, I want you to see this clearly. Paul understood. You see, Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Jew of the Jews, realized he counted all of that loss for the excellency of knowing Christ. He realized that God didn't choose him because he was strong. He chose him because he was a nobody to God without his calling. Most of us get the idea that God's doing the best he can with the poor material he has to work with. Not according to Paul. Paul is saying God has deliberately chosen out for himself to be in relationship with him the weak, the inadequate, the dull, the overlooked, and they are uniquely qualified to be great in his kingdom. Why? Because no flesh is going to glory in his presence. And folks, listen to me. Just Let me just let you in on a secret. No flesh can. None can. Well, why does God choose the way he chooses? The scripture says to confound the wise. The literal terminology here is to put to, to the blush. In other words, to cause their faces to blush. The wise to be shamed, to disgrace, by implication to dishonor. The experts, the skilled in the letters, the cultivated, the learned, you realize those were the ones who missed Jesus. They were the Pharisees. They were the religious order. Why is that? 
because they already think they know it. Let me tell you something, especially when you get to this place where you talked about being seasoned and you ought to be schooled and you ought to know more than that for now. Let me, one of the most scariest things for me is to think I know it and miss Jesus. The scariest thing for me is to think I understand and me to wholly miss what God really wants done. For me to think I can explain it when God has so much more for me to know. God chooses who he chooses to confound the wise, to put to shame the mighty, to shame the influential, the powerful, the strong, the valiant. Those who think they're somebody, the mighty. This, it brings to mind Samson, the Old Testament, another judge. Samson kept putting the Philistines to shame because of his strength. And most of the time when you see movies about Samson, you see this muscular Hercules kind of man. Let me tell you, if he was that kind of man, they wouldn't have asked where he got his strength from. They kept trying to find out where he got his strength. I got an idea that Samson was a 90-pound weakling with long hair. And let me tell you, the reason I can say that is because the Philistines kept looking for where he got his strength. And let me tell you this too. He didn't get his strength from his long hair. I'm sorry. He didn't get his strength from his long hair. He got his strength from his vow and his relationship with his God. In other words, here's what Samson was. He was a 90-pound weakling filled with God. It says the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him and he would take the gate. And the mighty would look in awe. Perplex the wise, confound, put to shame the mighty. Here's the whole point. God wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. Then it says that he does this to bring to nothing. To bring to nothing what the world counts on. To bring to nothing, to make entirely idle, useless, to make of no effect, to put it away. In other words, folks, God chooses the least, the insignificant, the rejected to show the emptiness of man's choices, his schemes, and his agendas. And at the same time, he reveals his glorious power through us nobodies. If you've ever felt like a nobody, you're qualified for the kingdom. If you've ever felt like a zero when everybody else's was a hero, let me tell you, you qualify. That's what I want you to see today. We, so often we think, well, I can't be and I can't do and I can't. And let me tell you, the very thing that you can't qualifies you for he who can. Why? Look at, look at verse 30 of 1 Corinthians 1. But of him, of God, by him, through him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And all those are just biblical words that simply mean this, that when you trusted Christ, God put you in him and he gave you everything you needed to be absolutely sufficient for his calling. He filled you with his spirit. He forgave you of your faults. He favored you in your life. 
and he brought you into himself. He reconciled you. He brought you back into harmony with your creator. You were born from above. Recreated in Christ Jesus. God doesn't call the qualified. And here's the thing I want you to see. Your excuse is really his reason. Your excuse for not being more what you're supposed to be is his reason for including you. He's going to equip you. And here's the point. If you just think, well, I qualify because I'm a moron, you're missing the point. You just got the first point. You got to get the second point. The second point is this. He qualifies the called. He's the one who does it. You are qualified by the very fact that He called you and set you apart into Himself. He gives you the wisdom. He gives you the authority. He enables you to walk it. He gives you His very Spirit, the very Spirit of Christ Himself living in you. He qualifies you because He called you. First, Second Corinthians chapter 5, let's look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, folks, a lot of times people think, well, now, with, with new, all that, that, that stuff, I'm new. Listen, new doesn't mean you're strong. New means you've been born from above. New means you're a new creation. You become something you've never been before. You become a very new species in God's kingdom. Brand new. And then he says this, Now all things are from or of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. If you mark in your Bibles, mark that, the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Mark that, the word of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation. Then in verse 20, here's the main point. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. You're not just a citizen of the kingdom of God. You are a diplomat, a representative, an empowered spokesman for the kingdom of God. You nobodies are somebody in the kingdom and he sent you to where you are to be a representative, a diplomat, uh, an empowered spokesman for the kingdom, for your king. The word ambassador is presbio. You don't know how to pronounce it either. Sounds good to me. That word, just basic idea here is to function as a representative of a ruling authority. To be an ambassador in Jesus' day, in Paul's day, as well as in our own, it involves three things. First of all, it involves being commissioned for a special assignment. The ministry of reconciliation. You have been commissioned for a ministry. A lot of times you think, well, preacher, you were called. 
to preach. Well, that's called to preach. You may be called to business. You may be called to a lot of different things. But here's the whole point of the calling. The calling has a special commission. And the word commission means co-mission. In other words, to be in mission with God. To be in mission with the kingdom. Everybody that's been called has been called and commissioned to a specific assignment, a purpose. And let me, the overhaul character, I remember 1989 when the Lord showed me. I said, God, what am I supposed to be? You know, you've called me to preach. What am I? And he showed me this. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Well, I thought that was something special because I was somebody. No, it's been given to us all. The ministry of reconciliation. Well, what's reconciliation? Reconciliation is bringing back into harmony two that have been estranged. When two that have been estranged in marriage and they are reconciled, it means they come back together and they're better than they were at the beginning. You understand? So reconciliation is bringing man back to his creator and bringing them back into fellowship, back into relationship. We've been given the ministry. We are now ambassadors that represent the kingdom of God in such a way, and I'll talk about more about that, but in such a way that we literally are the way God intends to bring the world back to himself. To bring us back at one, you know, atonement means at one month, being brought back to be one with our Creator. From Genesis to Revelation, there's one thing God's after, bringing man back to, his, to, the, to, to a relationship with him. And we've been given that assignment, that special commission. And the number second thing is that we would represent the ruler, the one who sent us. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. The word represent means to represent. It's literally, it is that we say what the king is saying. A a representative or an ambassador in another country representing the United States does not have the right to say anything he wants to say. He has the right to say what the government of the United States says. He's been given a word, a message. If the one, not only have we been given a ministry, but we've given a message, which is the word of our king. You've got to understand this. It's not for me to tell you what I think about the king or what I think about anything. It's to say what the king has said. This is really important because there's, there's a lot of this that most of us, we want to be in the kingdom of God so we'll go to heaven when we die. God wants you in the kingdom so you can bring heaven here while you live. He wants to bring mankind back to himself. We represent the ruler. The ambassador speaks with the authority of the one who sent him. When he speaks, he represents the governing, the power, the authority of the one who sent him. When he speaks, it's as if the leader or the ruler of the one who, the one who sent him is literally saying the words. And you, 
if, if we really caught this, you can understand when you say what God said, it has all the authority of God on it. That's why you can speak the word and it will happen, not because you said it, but because the one who said it backs it up. We represent the ruler. We represent literally the ambassador stands in the stead of the government of the United States wherever he is. He's in a foreign country, but he's not of it. He represents his government in that foreign government. Jesus said it this way, you're in the world, but you're not of it. You are representing another kingdom. You are to present that kingdom as if the king was there himself. And the third point is you exercise the authority of the ruler. You do what the Lord himself would do were he present. And notice what Paul says, we implore you, on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, when we hear exercise authority, we think of boss somebody around. Do you know the only ones that Jesus bossed around were the demonic? He loved the world so much, he implored them to be reconciled with God, and he paid the price for it to be so. Let me tell you something. When you have the authority of God on your life, you have the authority to love without condition. You have the authority to hear from heaven. You have the authority to say what God has said. That's the authority of God. You can say to disease, go, because the authority of God is behind you. By his stripes we are healed. You can tell the demons to flee because by the authority, everyone, every demon has been broken of its power. He's rendered powerless by the cross of Jesus Christ. You can tell the dead to be raised because there's life in our King. You follow what I'm saying? The authority, well, so much of the time we, we, we want authority so we can tell somebody what to do, tell somebody where to go. God uses his authority to implore you to be reconciled to God. Because God knows that's the only way you're going to be complete. You're going to be whole and the world will be made right. To do what the Lord himself would do were he present. And there's an incredible thought here when you talk about ambassadors you see, ambassadors, when, when two nations, two governments get into uh, diplomatic relations, they allow them to have a place in that foreign land, and they, they build an embassy. You know what an embassy? They build an embassy there. And that, <clears throat> that embassy, though it's in the foreign territory, that embassy is the sovereign territory of the government who sent it, who sent the ambassador. That's why if you're in a foreign country and you need, you need help, you need something as an American citizen, where do you go? You go to the embassy. Because there, the resources and the government and the authority over that embassy is the United States. You're protected there. 
You're provided for. That's a place you can get access. You understand? The embassy represents an ambassador in a foreign land lives by the economy of the one who sent him. He lives under the authority of the sending nation. He has all the rights and the privileges and the power with the army backing him up. In other words, the whole government says, I got your back. Now, here's the thing about this whole thing about kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a little place that's been carved out. It's not a building sitting on a piece of property. The kingdom of God is the realm of God's power, His authority, His government. God rules over it all. The king comes to live where? In us. The kingdom of God is among you. He's within you. The king lives in you. Now, I want to say, you become the embassy of that government Wherever you are, starts first at home. You are the embassy. You own that house. You may not. You may still be paying for it. But uh, here's the point I want you to say: the government of the king in you is the embassy. You be, you are the sovereign territory, the sovereign realm of the kingdom of God. Wherever you are, you represent the king. You are born from above, resourced from heaven, empowered by His Spirit to carry and speak forth His Word, and all the resources and the power and the authority of that kingdom backs you up. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ, you are an embassy. Can you imagine what would happen if we walked out of here this morning recognizing just who we are in His kingdom? Now, would you listen to me? That's not saying I can go out of here and do anything I want to do. I represent Him. And the best way to get called home soon is to misrepresent the King. You are the embassy of God's kingdom at home, at your job, in your entertainment, in your relationships. And here's what God's saying. All I am, I am in you for my purposes. Was how... How would Jesus, to represent Jesus, how would Jesus live this life I'm living? Let me just tell you this. He would love. He would listen to the Father to hear what the Father once said. He would look to see what the Father was doing and he would respond accordingly. And the kingdom of heaven would become near at hand to what's going on on earth. And he taught us to pray, your kingdom come. Your choices and purposes be done on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. 
if I'm going to live as an ambassador of Christ, here's the thing. I've got to get connected with him in such a way. And let me tell you, the first thing he'll give you is an unconditional love for people. Because that's who he is. And let me tell you this. He'll give you the people for the not many mighty noble. He'll give you a love for the nobodies. Because that's who he's choosing. He'll give you an ear for the word. He'll give you an ear for the word. He'll give you the ministry of reconciliation. He'll give you the word of reconciliation. He'll give you the ear. He becomes in you that spokesman that will say what needs to be said. And here's the thing about it. Everybody will say, well, how did you know that? Because they know you. You're, you're moros. You know, Acts 4.12, I think it is, is where they took note of Peter and them. They beat them and then they let them go. Because they were ignorant men, unschooled, unskilled, ignorant. That word ignorant is aotes in the Greek. It means ignorant. Not just no schooling, ignorant. That's Texan. Peter was ignorant. But what they saw was he had been with Jesus. And he represented Jesus that where his own shadow would heal. He'll give you love for people. He'll give you a listening ear for the word of God. And he'll give you a heart that says, I implore you. Now here's the funny thing. That word's almost a begging word. And then it says, be reconciled to God, which is a command. I'm begging you, respond to the command of God to be reconciled to Him. And let me tell you this, when people reject you, if you've spoken the Word of God, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Him. God doesn't say, be a success for me. He says, implore the world to be reconciled to me. We are His ambassadors. You are an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. It's not a place, it's within you. You're commissioned to be His representative, to speak and to live in this world as He would live if He were present because He is in you. You've been called, chosen, picked for a purpose to represent Jesus everywhere you are. Your home, your family, your work, your entertainment, all the resources of His kingdom are at hand to enable you, to direct you, to empower you, and you can count on it. What's it look like? I read a story as I was studying this week, and it just caught my attention. It's back in the early 1900s. Late one night, a salesman drove into a strange city, and he was tired, and he wanted to get a hotel room. And he went into one hotel, and the clerk informed him there was no vacancy there. And disappointed, he starts to turn around and leave the lobby when there was a very dignified man in a suit and tie sitting over in a coffee area. And and he spoke to him and he said, look, I've got a room all by myself. It's a suite. You can stay with me if you'd like. Gratefully, the traveler accepts his kindness. They get in the room together and stuff before going to bed. The man who had shared the room that invited the guest knelt down at the bed and began to pray aloud. And in his prayer, he mentioned the stranger by name and asked the Lord to bless him and to give him rest. 
The next morning, the guest, I imagine the guest was looking at him that night. The next morning, the guest awoke and the man was at a table in the, in the suite reading his Bible. And the man recognized that he was awake and he asked if he would like to join him. He said, I, I, I commune with my Savior every morning and as my habit and would you like to join me? And the man got out of bed and joined him and the Holy Spirit began to speak to the heart of this salesman and And when the man tactfully shared with him his journey with Christ, that guest responded and received Christ. And and all of that's very touching. But yet, as the two were ready to part ways, they exchanged business cards. And the new believer was amazed to read on the business card, William Jennings Bryan, Secretary of State. William Jennings Bryan was not only the Secretary of State under Woodrow Wilson, he was an ambassador of Jesus Christ. My question for us, for you, for me, is whose ambassador are we? Whose ambassador are you? Whose word do you speak? Whose ministry do you represent? Whose government are you under? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And it's not just so you can go to heaven today, go to heaven when you die. It's so that you can live this kind of life today. You can represent Jesus to our... Can you imagine what would happen in our community if we left this room this morning recognizing we're an ambassador for Jesus Christ? God, what do you want said? What do you see here, God? What do you want me to act on your behalf? Something burdening you? God, what do you want to do about it? Get of an ear for the word. Get an eye for the ministry. Realize God has called at you specifically to be in relationship with Him for His purpose. Inadequate, insecure, nobody, zeros, qualified by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the ministry of His Holy Spirit. Whose ambassador are you? Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we come before you recognizing that all the resources of the kingdom of God are available to your people who are chosen and qualified by your Spirit to represent you in this life. Father, it's okay with me to be a nobody filled with somebody who loves me like that. Lord, let me represent you to my world. Empower me, enable me to walk in your ways to speak your word, to implore this world to be reconciled with you. 
The price has been paid. You are sufficient. And Lord, you're still calling. You're still calling. You're still qualifying. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done. Here. Now. In our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you say- Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.